Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 336. Anything worth doing is worth doing right to the best of your ability not to cut corners. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bill Amos. Bill, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am as ready as I'll ever be. All right. Great to have you here. Bill Amos has built up a wonderful collection of cars throughout his career as a physician. It doesn't hurt living on Amelia Island, Florida, where in March, the area becomes the center of car universe. His philosophy on collecting cars is simple, and I love it. Don't buy them as an investment. Buy cars to enjoy and to drive. Bill has some great advisors when it comes to buying cars. People like Ray Schaefer, Ramsey Potts, and friends Hurley Haywood, Dan Davis, Magnus Walker, and the Ingram family, to name just a few. Some of those folks have been guests here on Cars Yeah. While he leans towards the Porsche mark, you'll find a few Ferraris and a British car in his collection as well. Bill, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your life and your passion for automobiles. Yes, um, thanks, Mark. I have always enjoyed hot cars, uh, starting from when I had just turned 16 and totally unexpected. My dad showed up with a brand-new MG and handed me the keys and said it was mine. Wow. But uh, throughout college, I went to Georgia Tech and then medical school and residency and practice those didn't leave a whole lot of time for anything other than driving to and from school, work, hospital, the occasional date. So while I've always enjoyed having having very competitive, good handling, fast cars, it was sort of just an extension of my personality as opposed to being a passion until I retired. Well, you retired in a big way because now you're involved in cars in so many ways. And I know you developed a relationship with Brumos Porsche. And I recently become friends with Ray Schaefer. He used to be the, the, the manager there. And also some of the other people that you mentioned or I mentioned in your introduction, people like Magnus Walker, who was my 100th guest. Cam Ingram's been on the show. I'm hoping to get Rob on the show as well, Robert Ingram. But tell me a little bit about what kind of pushed you into this uh, Porsche world, because that seems to be the dominant part of your collection. 
Well, amazingly enough, I had lived on a big island for three or four years before I ever got around to go into the concourse because I was generally still working and traveling and only home on the weekends and wanted to spend the time with my wife. But my son's best friend, uh, Ramsey Potts, and my son decided to come one year, so we went. And Ramsey had been a longtime friend of Ray's and had actually raced with Ray back when they were both younger. Ah. When they got there, Ramsey said, you know, I've got this friend down in Jacksonville at Brumos. And I said, what's a Brumos? And, <laughs> you know, he proceeded to tell me it was a Porsche dealership and a very historic racing team, of none of which rang a bell with me. But anyway, he said, you know, they have this private museum with this fantastic collection and it'd be a great way to kick off the weekend. So I said, okay with you if we go down on Friday afternoon and, um, you know, see Ray and go see the museum. Sure. So I said, sure, why not? So we drove down there and uh, Ray met us over at the museum and, you know, it certainly took my breath away. It's uh, just an unbelievable collection of cars, mostly their old race cars. And I had no idea that they were into the sport to the extent that they were. After that, we went back over to the showroom, and they had a 2007 Mexico Blue Cayman sitting on the uh, showroom floor. And Ray explained that once a year, they did a unique car done by one of their divisions called 5-9 Design, mm. and that that car was a one-of-a-kind, and that was this year's car. And he pointed out that the Mexico Blue was the blue in Brumos Racing Stripe. Yeah. And I looked at it, and I thought, that is the ugliest-looking car <laughs> I have ever seen. And why would anybody want to buy that? But, you know, we thanked Ray for the trip to the museum. Uh -huh. And he came up and joined us uh, for the auction the next day. Uh, I had to leave because I had a granddaughter's birthday that day, but I had always wanted an Austin Healy, and I, I often joked that, when I had my MG, the only reason anybody had an MG is because they couldn't afford a Healy. <laughs> so I left my son there to bid on an Austin Healy for me. And, uh, you know, we kept in touch on the phone while I was driving to the birthday party. And, um, you know, eventually they got uh, out of my price range. So we called it quits. And as I was driving back on Sunday, I thought more and more about the car. I'd never owned a Porsche. And I finally decided, you know, that blue would go pretty good with my blue eyes. <laughs> and I called Ray Monday morning and said that, uh, you know, if you still got that car, I'm going to come down and buy it. He said, I do. And I did. Wow. And, um, you know, one of the things uh, that makes Brumos very unique amongst Porsche dealers is, in fact, it makes them 100% unique, is if you buy a Porsche from Brumos, be it new or used, you get a free one day, I call it racing school. They call it driving experience with Hurley. Yeah, cool. So not too long after that, I, I took my car down to the track at Gainesville with Hurley and spent a great time there. And uh, pretty much from that point on, I was hooked on Porsche and particularly Brumos. You know, this is so cool because many of my guests have the car bug in their blood when they're born. I had a guest on just two days ago who drove home from the hospital in a 289 Cobra. So he was bit day one. Now, you, for you, it came much later. And the fact that you looked at a car and went, ah, oh, that thing's just ugly, and it grew on you, and you ended up buying it, it's so cool. So you definitely are now bit. You're part of the club, part of the team. And the fact that you started at an iconic dealership like Brumos, oh, my gosh, 
I'm a Porsche guy from way, way back. Brumos is is one of those uh, legendary dealerships in my mind. So I think it's great that you're part of the club now. Welcome to the uh, the car crazy world that is uh, Cars Yeah and the passion for cars. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote, some kind of a mantra or saying that's been important in your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I know you like to drive, Bill, so take the wheel. All right. Well, whatever I've accomplished in my life, I accomplished because of my dad. And my dad came from very humble beginnings, no college education, and, you know, became one of the founders of what is still a very successful Fortune 500 company. And he taught me a lesson that has always been essential to everything I've done, and that's that anything worth doing is worth doing right to the best of your ability not to cut corners Mm. of course when i practiced medicine you know there was no other option but to be that way absolutely but when i left the practice of medicine and started a a company with a couple of friends the friend who was the ceo had a very different philosophy his philosophy was ge which he stood for good enough Uh. and uh so you can imagine we had had several fairly monumental clashes uh yeah. Of him rushing to get things done and me wanting to take the time to do it right. And uh, sure. Fortunately for me, most of the time when we rushed to it, it didn't work as well as it did when we uh, when we took our time and did it right. So I ended up winning more of those battles. <laughs> Good for and you. The second, th- the second lesson my dad taught me is uh, no matter how successful you are, don't ever forget that you didn't get there by yourself. Ah, great. Well, it's great that those. Those words of wisdom came from your father, of course, someone who became so successful, and of course, you've become so successful. But I, I love that concept of doing things right, doing things to the best of your ability. I'm very much the same way. I think that's the only way you do things is striving for perfection. There's that great quote by Sir Henry Royce about striving for perfection, and if it doesn't exist, make it, create it. For you, cars came a little bit later, your passion for cars, but could you tell us a story, and maybe you already did with that uh, Cayman, that Mexico blue, and I love that color. What was that moment in your life, that pivotal moment, when you really realized that you were a car guy? I guess my awakening took place in four stages. The first one I mentioned was the MG. The second I mentioned was buying the Cayman. The third was jealousy because my son started buying cars, and he was a child of the 80s, so he was buying all of the 80 cars from the TV shows. He had a Lamborghini Countach and he oh had gosh. a Testarossa. Wow. And he, he had a Lotus. So, you know, I got to think, well, you know, if he can do it, damn, I can. <laughs> wow. Those are some awesome cars. Yeah, that's right. And then finally, the last, the last time, uh, the last step was the year after my failed attempt at buying an Austin Healey. We had decided that this was going to be an annual thing. So we were sitting at the RM auction at the Big Island, and my son and I both looked through the catalog and both decided to bid on the same car. Oh, yeah? And car, yes. And so we flipped a coin to see who would bid on it, and I won. It was a 1988 930S Ooh. that had belonged to Mr. Bob Snodgrass and had been part of the Brumos collection. Oh, yeah. Ray was sitting with me, and uh, when we got to about 50000 Ray said, you know, that's all it's worth. That's all it's worth. Don't bid anymore. 
But there was one other SOB in the room who didn't want me to have a car. Of course. And so I ended up paying little, paying 70000 for it. Mm-hmm. With Ray sitting there every bit saying, no, 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 yeah, no. Stop. <laughs> but I did notice that one with about the same miles as I mine in Les Province sold at Pebble Beach last week for 153000 Oh, yeah. So that just validated Ray's statement. Every time I would bemoan after the fact that I, that was the only car I bought I've ever paid too much for. And, you know, he was very philosophical. His comment was, you never pay too much, just sometimes you pay too soon. <laughs> you know, I like that saying. That's a cool saying. And I had uh, the consummate car collector, Bruce Meyer, on the show. And he had a saying where he said, uh, cry only once when you buy a car and then go on and enjoy it. So <laughs> that's a great story. You know, the way those uh, older Porsches have come up in value lately, yeah, I think a lot of people that bought those cars back then have done quite well when they go to sell them. But uh, but I like your philosophy better. You don't buy a car for that reason. You buy a car because oh. you like it and you want to drive it. I think that's great. Bill, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've had a very long career in medicine. You went on to create another company. Now you're trying enjoying life with cars and playing with cars. But would you share with our listeners a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way. And the reason I like to ask this question is, how did you overcome that situation? Even better, what did you learn from it? Well, I overcame the situation because of my dad, and I learned that he's a pretty smart guy, and I need to listen to his advice. But I started out life at Georgia Tech as, and as a chemical engineer major. And uh, although I'd been a very good student in high school, I had a very good time being a fraternity boy uh, my first two years at Tech and uh-huh. uh, ended up with a 2-0 out of a 4 grade point average. And then I decided I wanted to go to medical school. Uh-huh. And uh, a 2-0 just wasn't going to cut it with medical school. So I had to pull myself out of a hole, and I did make basically a 4-0 the last two years and pull my grade point average up. But I had applied to medical school, and Along around uh, January, a lot of my friends were either getting rejection letters or, or acceptance letters, mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting either one. First choice of schools was a medical college of Georgia and Augusta, and I was at Tech in Atlanta at that time, and you know, I was talking to my dad, and he said, well, look, I don't care what you've got tomorrow. Skip class, get in the car, drive to Augusta, go to the admission office and tell them, you want to go to medical school and you're here to try to convince them why they should take you. <laughs> I said, Oh, I can't do that. That, you know, you know, that, you know, they wouldn't see me. They'd think I was nuts, but he said, no, you get in the car and go. Yep. So I did. And I got over there and I went into the admissions office and ended up getting to meet 15 or 20 minutes with three of the four people on the admission committee. And, you know, one of them told me that, uh, out of the people who had applied, there was a certain number that they could accept based on grades and scores, and there were a certain number they could reject based on grades and scores. But the bottom line is there were about 30 places left and a little over 500 pretty much equally qualified people for those 30 spaces. Wow. Needless to say, that was not terribly encouraging to hear, so I was a little down when I drove back to Atlanta. But two days later, I got my acceptance letter. There you go. And uh, I would have never gone if my dad hadn't pushed me, and it just convinced me of the wisdom uh, that I'd gotten where I was because of him, and probably anywhere I would ever get in the future would be because of him, and to 
listen to him while he was alive and once he passed away to remember the good advice he gave me. You know, you dropped a golden nugget there for all those folks listening who want to go do something with their life and they're just not quite sure how to do it. Don't be afraid to ask. Step forward and ask because if you don't, you'll never know. If you're like me and too hesitant to do that, hope you have somebody behind you that pushes you. Yep, push you forward. I think that's great. What a wonderful story. Let's shift gears here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share one of those aha moments with us along the way in your life, your career, or your collecting of cars? And I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and they kind of illuminated your way for that new idea or that new direction you had. And tell us the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into your success? Well, that was fairly easy. When at the start of my junior year in medical school, I saw my first baby delivered, I instantly clicked. That's what I wanted to do. So to do that, I arranged to spend the summer between my junior and senior year in medical school with a four-man OBGYN practice in my hometown. And while I loved what they were doing, they worked their tails off, so I immediately went back to school and took an elective in radiology and tried really, really hard to like it. But I just couldn't convince myself that sitting and looking at shadows all day long would be a very rewarding thing. So I ended up, when I graduated from medical school, going to Dallas and doing a residency at OBGYN at the Baylor University Medical Center. Yeah, when you get to see somebody born, and for me, I've only seen my children born, but boy, it does change you. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a career where you get to bring so many lives into the world and help so many people that may be having challenges with uh, having children or birthing children, whatever. So I'm sure there's a lot of patients you've helped along the years that are glad you took that path. How about proudest career moments? I'm assuming you've had so many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? There is one in particular, you know, that as far as my practice went, there's nothing I did in practice that was more rewarding than I, I did a lot more. I was sort of the local infertility expert, and nothing is more rewarding than telling somebody who thought they would never have a baby that they were pregnant. Mm, yeah. And then hopefully follow it up and putting the baby in their arms after the delivery. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You talked about that first car your father gave you, the MG. You talked about that blue Cayman that grew on you. But what was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Oh, gosh, I've had a lot of neat cars. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a car that moved me away from American cars. It was a car I bought to replace a Mercury Cougar which was the last American car that I've owned other than one I have in my collection. And it was, uh, this was when I was doing my residency in Dallas. So this would have been, oh, let's see, 72, 73, somewhere in that range. And I was perfectly happy with my, with my Cougar. And I had two small kids at home, one and two. And I was driving back from the hospital one day and I passed the dealership and just sort of out of that corner of my eye, I caught this yellow car being unloaded, and I thought it was a little Ferrari. So I pulled in, and it was a Datsun 240Z, oh. one of the first ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, naively, I went in and, uh, you know, told the guy, hey, I really like that car. I'd like to buy it. And he sort of laughed at me and said, well, you do realize there's a nine to 12-month waiting list for these cars. <laughs> yep. 
And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. So I went back out, and as I was backing out of the parking lot, uh, he came out waving his arms, and I stopped, and he said, I just called the guy who had ordered that car, and he found it somewhere else. And I called, I can't get in touch with the next two guys on my list, so if you want it, you can have it. Cool. So I drove it home. My wife was not terribly excited to see <laughs> me drive home in a two-seater with us having two little kids. Sure. And uh, that was the first of four Z cars I had. Wow. None of the others ever measured up to that because this was the one I, the, the original 240 I had had none of the emission controls. And it was a sports car, and it was before they tried to add all the luxury components. Right. It's still, to this day, I still look around to find a good one in good shape. Only problem, if I could find one now, I'm not sure that I could fit in it because I'm not near as skinny as I was (laughs) back then. You know, those cars were so cool. I remember as a kid, I was detailing cars, and I had a neighbor down the street who bought one of the first ones. Hers was lime green, and I remember she let me drive it back to my house and i thought man this is pretty darn cool but you know sadly most of them have rusted away they they just didn't uh you know the build quality wasn't there for as far as the steel they didn't last as long but right. uh, i think if you keep looking you'll find one but there again is that your dad's uh pushing there you you stopped got out of the car walked in if you hadn't done that if you just driven on by that wouldn't have been your car so there you go thanks dad <laughs> that's right, right. <laughs> Uh, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? The car I had before I had the Cougar was a, I had a 64 Pontiac GTO. Oh, cool. And I love that car. The only thing I didn't like about it then, and I would like even less now, is if I got on a deserted stretch of highway in Florida, I could see the gas gauge drop. <laughs> yeah, those goats drank a lot of gas. But, you know, I love that car. I had it till I got married and had kids and had to get a little bit more practical. But of all the cars that I have owned in the past that I have gotten rid of, that's the one I wish I still had. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Bill. I love asking this question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I would probably be a Porsche because they follow my dad's advice, I guess, and they get it right. They don't do it do it flashy, but... They get it right, and I guess that's why, what's the figure, 85% of the Porsches ever built are still on the road. You know, they're not, I've got a couple of, of Italian cars, and Porsches clearly are relatively plain James when stacked up next to them design-wise. They're not as flashy, but they're a hell of a lot more reliable. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think you've been a reliable guy over all these years, and you know, my son interviewed me for the 300th show here on Cars Yeah, and that was my answer as well. As I, I felt like I was a 911 for a lot of the same reasons. So I think we share something there. So Bill, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology 
with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Bill, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy cars that are fun and drive them. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of thought you were going to say that. You also said something earlier, buy a car that's already been restored. Another very wise thing to do, unless you've got a lot of dollars to throw around at something. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I guess probably tenacious. Mm. (laughs) And I guess buying that first slant nose was a sign of tenaciousness getting in the way of common sense. (laughs) Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I I guess I have two. One is Brumos. Ah, yes. You know, Brumos, you know, they're not... Like any car dealer I've ever been to, they are all car nuts who happen to sell and service cars. Yep. Brumos has a museum. They have Hurley as their vice president. They have a racing school. They host all kinds of programs for the local Porsche club. They have uh, the Brumos Boosters Brigade where they get a suite uh, at uh, Daytona every year. So I tell all of my friends in the South, if you want a Porsche dealer, if you want to buy a Porsche you know, forget your local dealer and come to Brumos and buy it. It's just, it's just that much of a different experience. Oh yeah. And I guess the only other resource I would, I would share is, uh, the Porsche sports driving experience at, uh, Barbara Motorsports Park in Birmingham. I've been a couple of times and somebody who loves cars and wants to have a lot of fun and take chances with somebody else's cars. It's pretty hard to beat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great facility. Both of those uh, facilities absolutely fantastic for people who love Porsches. Now, how about a book, Bill? Is there a book that you've read in the past you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy reading? As far as cars go, I think Porsche Unexpected is a hard book to beat. It's the best Bible I've read for somebody who wants to collect to understand how to, why to, not to mention the fact that it's so beautifully illustrated. Yeah. You know, for just increasing your knowledge anything by malcolm gladwell i find fascinating something that's a little bothersome is uh, if you want something to worry a little bit there's a great book i just finished called what happened in vegas and it's by a guy i can't think of his first name his last name's tanner but it uses the loyalty programs at caesar's palace as an example as to how unsafe our private data really is Mm. and uh, how much other people really know about us. Yeah, well, great references, great books. I'll remind our listeners there's a great place on the Cars Yeah website titled Guest Recommended Books, where the books that Bill has recommended and all the 300-plus guests who've been on Cars Yeah have recommended real easy links to purchase those books. You can find them at carsyeah.com or just go to Bill Amos's page 
on the website. Just type Bill into the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. All right, Bill, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy, especially for a collector like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but this is something that you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. But money's no object. Today, I'm going to write the check. What would that one vehicle be and why? Well, it wouldn't be a Porsche. Ah, okay. <laughs> and it would be, I would be happy to write a check for any one of three. And these were the three cars that duked it out for supremacy when I used to go to Sebring on spring break instead of the beach. And that would be a Ferrari GTO, a Shelby Cobra Roadster, or a Chaparral. Ooh, okay. Well, I can't let you get away with three because the last 335 guests would be a little angry with me. So I'm going to make you pick one of those, all right? All right, the Cobra. The Cobra, okay. And what is it about the Cobra that just makes you love that car so much? Well, you know, obviously it's pedigree as a as a champion. But to me, it sort of represents the iconic sports car. It, the design and the look of it was new and fresh back then. And if you see one on the street now, you would never think that it's anything but a brand new car that somebody just rolled off the, the line because the style it, I guess, is so, uh, so timeless. Much more attractive to me than some of the more boxy angle designs that some of the new supercars are. I, I know there are probably some aerodynamic rationale behind what they do, but you know, just seeing a Cobra sitting there, it looks like it's ready to rip your face off and run over you to get where it's going, and I like that. And I would assume you want the big engine, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 427. Not today, I don't want to top on that. Okay. <laughs> well, you live down there in Florida where you can enjoy the sunshine every day. So fantastic. Great choice. Wonderful car. I'll uh, get to work on that. What color do you want yours in? Blue with the white stripe. Of course. Yeah. Traditional colors. Yeah. Well, Bill, you've taken me on a great ride today and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing some time with me today on Cars Yeah and sharing your life, your collection of vehicles. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Shelby Cobra? Uh, I wish. Again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but don't buy a car to stick in a garage and you know look at it every now and then. Buy one that's fun, one that you like. Don't worry about what you can sell it for. Get out and drive it, exercise it. Like, like I mentioned, I'm not a car guy, but the one thing I found out fairly soon is if you don't drive them, they quit working. Yeah, they don't do very well when they sit around. Garage queens, unless they're exercised regularly, uh, end up needing a lot of work. So great advice. And is there a way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing these days? Do you have a website or is Facebook the place to find you? Facebook is a good way. My hangar has a website. It's AmosMainStreet.com. Cool. The pictures are a little out of date. But the one thing I would like to say is, One of the things I've learned since I've been doing this is that there are no bad car guys. (laughs) And since I'm blessed to live on Amelia Island, we have a great party at my hangar on the Saturday night of concourse for those not interested in the black tie formality of the Uh Ritz-Carlton. And I'm in the phone book. And if anybody listening to this is going to be at the concourse and wants to come out, before um, the Festival of Speed started and they started the cars and coffee at the concourse on Saturday, I, 
our party was the second largest car show on the island that weekend. Now we're the fourth largest. Wow. But, you know, anybody who's listening, that if you're down here and interested, or if you're in the Big Island for any time, I'm usually around. Look me up. There you go. What a nice, generous offer. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Bill shared with us today at carsyad.com. Just put Bill in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. And next year when I'm out there at Amelia Island, I'm going to look you up, Bill, so we can get together and say hello. Thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your passion for cars with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay, Mark. Time is easy. Expertise, I don't have much of, but I enjoy talking to you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!